0: Luke chapter 15, there was an elderly man who was on a bench. He found a magic lamp. He picked it up and a genie appeared. He said, because you have freed me, I will grant you a wish. The man thought for a moment and then responded, my brother and I had a fight 30 years ago and he hasn't spoken to me since. I wish that he finally would forgive me. There was a thunderclap and the genie declared, your wish has been granted. You know, the genie continued, most men would have asked for wealth or fame, but you only wanted the love of your brother. Is it because you're old and dying? He says, no way, but my brother is, and he's worth about $60 million. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you what, sometimes we get motivated to go after those folks that are lost, don't we? Last uh, couple of weeks, as we're in this series, looking at stubborn hearts and Sensitive hearts and steady ones. We've been looking over some things that God's heart is after, and that is the, the lost and the unsaved and those who have wandered away. We looked at the woman at the well, and she encountered Jesus. And after the dis- trying, trying to distract with non-light giving questions, Jesus brought her back to the light. And she went into town and brought all kinds of folks out. And they had a great meeting there. Jesus stayed for two days. After that, we looked at the invitation that the Pharisees gave Jesus to come over to their house for dinner, his house for dinner. And they invited also a man with dropsy to see what he would do. They weren't too grateful or thankful that he was coming. They wanted to try and catch him in something. And in the midst of it, Jesus gave a parable of a feast that was prepared for some people. And the people gave all kinds of excuses when the feast time came. And so, Master of the Feast said, All right, go out and get anybody you can. We saw for that that these folks did not exalt the invitation that they had to this feast. It was not something that was exalted in their minds. And so, therefore, other things became exalted over it. But when you go out to the poor, the main, the blind, this would be the most important thing in their life. We've got to make sure that we understand that Jesus, the things that he wants, are the most important thing in our life. Nothing should be more important than that. Last week, we looked at Zacchaeus. He encountered Jesus and he changed Jesus didn't sit there and beat him over the head with all the things that he should do or shouldn't do. All the things that he had done, didn't try and condemn him. And Zacchaeus rose up and said, I'm going to change. And Jesus was able to reach Zacchaeus. People got upset because Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner instead of somebody else who's more polished, more saved. It's been a while since we've looked at the lost parables, but I want us to go over and take a look at those because we're going to be going after some lost people here this week. Some of you may have already started to, but we're going to be going after some lost folks. I want to make sure we understand what Jesus tells us in these things. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. Do you hear him? Who drew near? Tax collectors it's like Zacchaeus. And the sinners, they drew near to him. To hear him. These are not saved people. These are not people that are hungering after God. These are sinners. These are tax collectors came near to hear him. It is amazing how much the unsaved people who don't go to church really do want to hear the truth. We keep telling ourselves that they don't, but it's amazing how much they really do want to hear the truth. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." Notice that the tax collectors and sinners weren't complaining that the Pharisees were there. But they sure they complained that the tax collectors and sinners were there. So he spoke this parable to them, saying. Now we see why he spoke it. Parable, you always have to understand why was the parable given and order to understand what the parable means. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. We realize how much joy there is in heaven when unrighteous people, when unsaved people, When people who have wandered away from God, when they come back to Him, do we realize how much joy there is in heaven? I don't know, when you were growing up, if you wanted something from mom or dad or both, when was the best time to ask them? Isn't it when they were happy? When they were in a good mood? When good things were going on? (laughs) Not when they're mad. Not when they're angry at something. That's not the good time to go. He's telling us what makes heaven joyful when these folks come in. But his, his uh, idea here is that there's if you have a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, you don't say, oh, well, I've <laughs> got 99 others. You know, if you had 10 kids and one wandered off, you wouldn't say, oh, well, at least we got the other nine. You, you still go after the other one. If you had five cats and one wandered off, well, maybe you would then. No, you'd probably go after the one who, who wandered off. I don't know. Cats are kind of tough to chase. because They can just go places that you just can't see them. I think you just have to wait for that cat to come home. I don't know about too much about going out there and finding it. But you get the idea. You'd go after the thing. Even though you had more at home, you would still go after the one that you lost. And that's what he's, he's saying. You need to get so caught up with what has been lost that you don't just say, well, I got 99 at home. We need to go after the ones that are lost. We need to be so concerned with the ones that are lost that we're willing to leave the 99. He's saying, You're willing to do that. If you're willing to do that with sheep, how much more should I leave the ones that are already pursuing God to go after the ones that are not? And that's what he's saying to them. Now, a sheep, they stray away on their own. Nobody offended the sheep. Sheep are pretty stupid animals. You can not really find an offended sheep anywhere. But they're very curious. They're uh, susceptible to all kinds of distractions. Maybe it's a new sheep. And they haven't quite learned the voice of the shepherd. Whatever the reason, the sheep wandered off. The sheep didn't wander off because it was rebelling. I don't like this shepherd. I'm going to go find something else better. No, the sheep just saw something. Hey, looks like something over there. Maybe I'll go see what it is. How many of you have ever wandered off? I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I wandered off a lot. But the one place that I wandered off the most that was Ocean City, New Jersey. We would go out to Ocean City, New Jersey every year. And every year I was out there. And my mom had to spend, out of, a, out of the 60 minutes out of the hour, she had to spend 59 and a half minutes watching me and the other 30 seconds watching the other kids. And she would just take my, her eyes off me for just that brief period of time, and gone I was. Out of there. And she'd be looking all over, can't find them. Sometimes I had gone way out into the water. Sometimes I had gone off to one side of the beach or the other. And you know, you're in Ocean City, New Jersey, you can go south, you can go north. And you don't know which way to go. And we didn't always have two parents there. My dad wasn't uh, too much of a beach person. So what do you do? Well, you know they they still went out there and found it they always tell me the story the one time they they found me, the lifeguard station that found me first, and so I was in a lifeguard station, and uh when I'm out in the sun, my hair would get extremely blonde, Mom's hair was not blonde, and her eyes were brown, my eyes were blue. so when she came over to claim me, they said, "We're not sure that this uh this is actually your son, even though I was saying that's mom, you know <laughs> and so Mom said, "All right, keep him." <laughs> and she's going to leave." <laughs> and they decided they didn't want to keep me and they gave me gave me over there but you know we wander off and you, and you don't know how many times we wander off they still come out and they look for you they still that's what we need to do we need to have that attitude these are so valuable that we'll go off and we'll look for them some more we'll go off and keep looking The sheep is straight away on its own it wasn't rebelling it wasn't mad at anything didn't get offended at another sheep Just wandered away. It's curious, distracted. Jesus is the great shepherd. And the parable shows us the work of Jesus toward the lost. He's desirous that the people would go after that one that would wander away. He wants us to do that. If we take up the heart of the shepherd and go after the ones that are wandering away, how much do we get the attention of the Father? How much do we get the attention of Jesus, the great shepherd? He goes on, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over the one sinner who repents. Now, this is a different one. This is not the same parable as the one before. The one talks about a sheep who wandered off. This talks about a coin that was lost. It was mishandled. How is it that you lose things? You mishandled it. You're holding them and you drop one or you put it in a place you're not quite sure where it is. And so what do you do? Well, here she she lights a lamp. She's looking with the lamp. She's sweeping the house. She's going to find this thing. She's looking all over. They didn't have flashlights back then. You You had to use lamps. So taking a lamp and going into the dark places to illuminate, to try and find... Where did that coin go? Now, I've made this note when we've gone over this before, but a coin can neither know it is lost nor get itself back. <laughs> a sheep might know it's lost, might be able to wander its way on back, but a coin, it doesn't know it's lost, nor can it get itself back. In this parable, we see something different. We saw the shepherd go after the sheep before. Here we see the uh, teaming up of the Holy Spirit in the church. A lamp in the New Testament, represents the Holy Spirit. The woman generally represents the church. We're seeing that the church needs to team up with the Holy Spirit and go after some of these people that have been mishandled. They've been mishandled by the church. They wandered away. They were in church for a while, but somebody mishandled them. Somebody got them offended. For somehow they, they got lost and they wandered off. They probably don't think they are lost. They're probably thinking they're fine just where they are. But you're not going to church. You're not doing anything to, to serve God. This parable shows us the work of the Holy Spirit with the church toward the lost. There's a work of the Holy Spirit teamed up with the church toward the lost. There's a work of the shepherd toward the lost. We need to go after some of these things. Verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. When when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now, this one is different, yet, from the other two. This one is one who deliberately and willfully went against the Father's will and became lost. There was nothing the Father did. This is something He did. He deliberately and willfully went against the Father's will, and He became lost. He went to a far land, far from the Father's eye, far from the Father's influence, and He decided to live the way He wanted to. How many times do we have Christians, you know, they're serving God, serving God, and they feel like God is a restriction. God is keeping me from doing all these things. Because I'm a Christian, because I'm a believer, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't go here, and I can't, and I can't, I can't, and I can't, and I feel all this pressure. I can't, I can't. And they finally decide, you know what, I need to get out of this, and I'm going to go my own way. And so they split off, they rebel against the Father, and they go off in their own direction. And they think it's better. Oh, I can do whatever I want. i got some money. I can spend the money. I can live how I want to live. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. If I want to do this, I can go ahead and do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't have to. No one's telling me what to do. And they think they have great liberty. Then all of a sudden they find out, you know what? (laughs) It's not quite as free as I I thought. Because the the Father's not providing some of the things that He used to provide. My supply is, is short. God's not helping me out the way He used to help me out. How many of you ever heard of people that were in the church, that felt restricted, they decided to go out and find their own way, lost their job, lost their house, some of them lost their spouse, kids rebelled, dogs matted them, bank account went from comfortable to nothing, and you wonder, boy, what's going on? What happened? Why well, you rebelled? You rebelled against God. The Word of God tells us, He warned Israel, if you're going to rebel, canker worm's going to get in. It's going to eat up stuff that you got. The enemy's going to come in. He's going to plunder. And It's going to happen little bit by little bit by little bit here and there. And then you're going to come and cry to me and I'm going to say, huh? (laughs) But people still going out that way. And they blame God for it. Why did God let this happen? There's an amazing amount of comfort, an amazing amount of security we have following after God. Oh, sure. There's some things maybe we can't participate in that the world participates in. Oh, but I tell you what. It's a whole lot better this way. You know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, really unsaved friends. I mean, people that were just way out there. But I did have some. And I know they would talk about me about they would come into work the next day and they would talk about the night before. And how they didn't remember it. I woke up over here. I have no idea how I got there. I never had, I remember every single day of my life that I want to anyway. <laughs> I never woke up and say, I can't remember what happened last night. Never had that go on. That's good. That's a good thing. There's a lot of good things that we have. You know, people in the world, they, they did some things. They, they got involved in some stuff and, and they're paying the consequences of it. Thank God we got spared from some of those things. Thank God I had the, the Word of God to guide and direct me and say, don't make that decision. Don't go that direction. Don't take that on. Because by, by me not doing it, I got spared from a whole lot of stuff. Now, if you had a lifestyle and you got pulled into some of that thing, I'm sure you're saying, thank God he pulled me out and I don't have any more days like that. But yeah, there's some, some things that we don't get to have. But it's just like Adam and Eve in the garden. As God really said, no, he just knows that the day that you eat of that tree, you're going to know both good and evil. Oh, I'm missing that on stuff. <laughs> That's what they thought. Oh, we're missing that on stuff. Oh, yeah, they missed out on all kinds of stuff. They didn't know evil. They didn't know how to get sick. They didn't know pain. They didn't know lack. That's terrible not to know all those things, right? They walk with God on a daily basis. Talk with them face to face. Oh, that must have been hard. <laughs> Thank God we're going to get back to that. But you see, we, we don't always enjoy what we have because we're out there, oh, but I could have this. And look at the world. They have these things out there. And they, they talk like this and they, they enjoy these things and they, they can do all this stuff. So, what's, what's the appeal? What's the draw? You know, when I was a kid growing up in high school, I, 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 knew, there were, I knew drugs were, were going around. They weren't around a whole lot with me. But every once in a while, i run into somebody who, who did it, and they talk about all the good time and things that they had with it and such. And I'm thinking, I, don't, I enjoy life the way it is. We can enjoy life the way... I Thank God we can enjoy life the way it is. We don't need help. I don't need anybody else's help to enjoy life. I don't need any substances help to help me enjoy life. My life is not made, made better by having some weed, having some Jack Daniels, whatever else there's out there to, to participate in. It's, it's not made up of that. You look at people that are, that are caught up in, in drugs that are shot in their, in their veins, popping pills, and they're up and they're down. Thank God I don't need that. Thank God you don't need that. God helps us out. He gives us the energy that we need to get through the day. And we didn't have to pop any pills. We woke up in the morning and we didn't need a pill to do it. We went to sleep at night and our rest was sweet because we didn't need a pill to do it. We didn't have to take drinks, drags, whatever else is out there for you to do we didn't need all that sort of stuff. We just inhale the presence of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. And we can have a good time with that. We want to meditate on something really good. We can think of a good worship song. I walk into some of those stores and I hear some of the tunes they're playing. And say, like, this, this is what they listen to for relaxation? I get disturbed. It's, it's not... See, when I was out there in Oklahoma, they played Christian music in the grocery stores. In the regular grocery stores people go into, they play Christian music. You go into a fast food restaurant and most times you'd hear Christian music. When I was first going out there in Oklahoma, they couldn't serve alcohol in the restaurants. <laughs> you walk into a restaurant, want to order a drink, can't do it. They still had the raids going on that you remember back in the Prohibition days. They still had raids going on in Tulsa when I was out there. A restaurant could be raided to see if they were serving any alcohol. And if they were, they'd haul it out of there. People would pay. It's a very different town. <laughs> it's a very different town. See, we didn't. If if you don't know any of that stuff, then you don't need it. But then these folks, they they step out and they start using drugs and they start getting addicted to alcohol and the, and all the different things they can do. And then they have to have it. They're not free to any for anything. They're not free to do that. They have to do it. Thank God we don't have to do that. People who have drug habits have to put how much money in just to support the drug habit? And then after a while, the drug isn't doing you any good anymore. you got to have more drug or a stronger drug. That costs more money. How are you going to get that money? Pretty soon the drugs so dominate your life, can't work. Can't work. You don't have money to support the drug habit. So then you start stealing. And the spiral goes down. You've been spared from that. <laughs> You've been going in a different direction. Thank God. We wake up in the morning, we don't wonder. Are they going to catch me today? <laughs> we don't have to worry about if our, if our pictures up at the post office. We can go in there and buy stamps. See, this guy, he went off. He decided, you know what, there's a, there's a lifestyle out there. I'm going to try this out and see how attractive it is. Might be Okay. It might be good. I've heard of people like me that grew up in a Christian home and then rebelled against it and went out and did all sorts of stuff. Found out it was bad and came on back. I also know people like me who grew up in a Christian home and didn't rebel and just stayed with it. To this day, I have no regrets that I haven't gone after investigating what it's like to smoke a cigarette. What it's like to smoke some weed. What it's like to go into a bar and drink I have no idea what it's like. They're not appealing to me. No appeal. Why would you why would you want to to me, you're putting handcuffs on your life. Putting restrictions on your life. You don't need all that sort of stuff. But you see, people are out there and they see this and they think, Oh, there's gotta be something there. And then they get pulled in and they get hooked into this kind of a lifestyle. This guy got hooked into this kind of lifestyle, sucked all his money out to where he's in there with the pigs. Feeding pigs and would to have eaten the stuff that the pigs had eaten. How hungry have you got to be to eat the stuff that the pigs eat? How many of you different kinds of animals at home? You have a cat, you have cat food. Anybody ever wanted to eat the cat food? Dear Lord, that stuff smells awful. Oh, man. I am so glad we don't have cats because I can't stand the smell of the food. Dog food? Canned dog food? Oh, man. That's awful. We feed ours dry. They don't smell. You know, we got fish in the house. No one says, oh, can I have some of that? They don't. they don't want that. We want people food. But pig food? Oh, man. The stuff that pigs will eat. I've heard about stuff that pigs will eat. And this guy is in there in the pig pen. Sloshing around with the pigs, feeding the pigs. And he would have... Like to have eaten some of it. They didn't give him anything. I wonder, why is he working there? Because <laughs> they're not going to feed him. Are they paying him? <laughs> what's, what's his incentive to work there? For some reason, he's working there. And it says when he came to his senses. When he came to himself. <laughs> yeah, how many of y'all know some people need to come to themselves? <laughs> they need to come to their senses. <laughs> they need to wise up. They, somehow they think that their lifestyle is so good. Really? Well Ephesians four verse seventeen says, This I say therefore and testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. You can walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk, and if you do, you will have your understanding darkened. You will not be able to understand stuff that other people can understand. Christians can understand some things about the word, some some things about the wisdom of God. And you walk along like the, the Gentiles walk, you won't be able to understand it. There are Christians, claim to be Christians, show up at church. Read the Bible every now and then, I guess. But because they're walking like the Gentiles walk, their understanding is darkened. And they can't understand it. How many have you ever talked with a Christian and they give you some light on something that they learned? And you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, (laughs) that's light for you? Are you serious? Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God? There is nothing worse than being alienated from the life of God. God wants us to enjoy the life of God, not to be alienated from it. But you can go in such a way that you can become alienated from the life of God. Have you ever not had something? That you enjoyed for a while? I mean, it was gone from you? I didn't realize this right off the bat. And I may just have gone to the wrong places. But when I first went out to Oklahoma to go to school, then the grocery stores, they didn't have real cheese. They had that stuff you wrap in plastic. The um, processed cheese. That's all they had. I don't know. Maybe they did sell it in the delis and stuff. But wherever I went, they didn't have it. And I got used to eating that stuff and came home one time and had a real piece of cheese. It's like, holy cow. Oh, man. Oh, this is so good. We can get so alienated from the life of God. This just like processed cheese. You can begin to eat processed cheese and think this is it. This is all that there is to it. And then you get a, get a hold of the real thing. Oh, don't get, don't get alienated from the life of God. That's just It's just there for you all the time and it feeds you in such a way you can just get, boy, this is just normal. This is just the way everybody lives. No, it's not. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. What will alienate you and other believers from the life of God is ignorance in you because your understanding is darkened and blindness of heart. We need to keep out of those things because if we walk in such a way that we become blinded to the things of God, ignorant of the things of God, we will become alienated to the life of God. There's got to be nothing worse than living the Christian life with all the things in the world that you're not supposed to participate with and not having the life of God. That's got to be the worst. Have the life of God. That's why we walk this way. The life of God is better than any drug, better than any party, Better than anything out there. But you've got to participate. You've got to get it. So the son came to himself. Wandering from the father is like being out of your mind. <laughs> I think the only Christians who wander away from the father are out of their mind. Have to be. Now, I think some Christians too. This is speaking about a son who became lost. I think some Christians become lost. Because as we grow and as we mature, more is expected of us. And when more becomes expected, they rebel. And they decide, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want people to expect something from me. I don't want to have to do anything for God. I just want to sit here, enjoy the life of God, and go on. No, God's going to expect something from you. He wants you to get out there and minister to the lost. Help people. Do things more than just yourself. Now, he came to the Father, and he said, Father, I have sinned. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like a hired servant. That's how a lot of people come back to God. I'm not worthy. They finally come to their senses. They realize, oh, man, I blew it. I'm not worthy. I can't even be called your son. Just make me a servant. Because it's better to be a servant in the house of God than it is to be outside of the house of God. And God has not, no part of this thing. He just says, ah, oh, no, come on in. Put sandals on his feet, robe on them. Treat him like he's elevated back into the place of son. He is not elevated back to head servant. He has made a son. He's not even listening to him. Bring them in. No, no, you are a son. You're going to be a son again. But the father never pursued him. Father didn't chase him down. He waited. He looked. And he waited. The shepherd went after the sheep. The woman went after the lost coin. But the father waited for the son. There are sheep who wander away. Distracted, curious, whatever it is. There are people who got mishandled by the church we go after them but mature ones ones who are sons ones who have accessed the inheritance you wander away, God says it's always the door's welcome, see ya go on out and he waits for them to come back and he comes back Now understand this, repentance not perfection restores us to our former position we don't have to become perfect In order to get there, we just need to repent. Now, that's great for ourselves, but you've got to make sure you do this for other people too. Other people are restored because of repentance, not because of perfection. Stop looking at other Christians and demanding perfection in them. If they've repented, their relationship is between God and them. Let God bring them on back. It's not your job. We aren't called to do that. Now, we have another player who comes in in verse 25. Now, his older son was in the field... What's he doing in the field? It's working. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, (laughs) he's not my brother, (laughs) this son of yours, as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and not all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. We got to make sure we don't have a response like the brothers. This brother. We see people coming on back and God getting all excited. <laughs> oh, the lost one came on back and we get, wait a minute, I, I'm out there in the field. No one even came and got me and told me there's a party going on. I'm out there working. And we get upset. And we get hurt. We can see this this new person come on in and all of a sudden God does something in our life. And we're thinking, God didn't do that in my life. I've been serving God all these years. I haven't wandered away. That one wandered away. Came on back and bang, answered prayer. They got that thing they needed. Man, that's not right. I've been serving God all these years. Working for God all the time. (laughs) Don't you sound just like the older son when you say stuff like that? That's not how we're supposed to be. He even included us in the parable. Don't get like that. Stay on the side of rejoicing. What's the heart of the Father? To rejoice. So what you should do? You should, be, you should have the heart of the Father. Rejoice. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, God ministered to him. Oh, that was good. Yeah, God helped him out in that thing. Just always be glad when God ministers to other people. Never sit there and say, Oh, but he didn't do this for me. Oh, but I didn't get this yet. Oh, but what about... Don't ever do it. That's the temptation of the devil. Pull you in. Take you down the road that the brother's going down here. Don't do it. You don't need to have it. Just keep on... Father God, I thank you. Glory be to God. Answer another request for them too. (laughs) Just be happy. Just be glad. Don't let that get into you. Because then you're going to be pulled from thanksgiving. You're not going to exalt the right things. Oh, you're going to go down. The brother saw the wayward son as a sinner. The father saw him as a lost son. It's a huge difference there. And your perspective comes out as you speak. And it can influence the lost and the unsaved people that you're going to minister to. They're going to hear what you say. They're going to hear that motivation come through. Do you see them as a sinner? Or do you see them as a lost son? What's the direction that you see them at? The son came back. That's got to be a hard thing to accept, to be restored. I'd like to know what the rest of the, the next day, I'd like to find out what happened the next day in the story. How did the two sons get along? What happened in the house with the two sons after that? <laughs> well, we didn't get that part of it, we just got this part. But understand, this is how much God loves to see the unsaved come back. And the ones He depends on for doing it is us. If we can pick up the heart of God for what God wants to do, if we can pick up the heart of God for the lost, do you think we would get God's attention? We can get his attention. He is concerned about lost people. Now, in the beginning, chapter uh, verses 1, 2 and 3, we saw who was Jesus ministering to that the Pharisees got upset with. Tax collectors and the sinners. And he saw that the Pharisees got upset with it. And he spoke this parable. This parable is about lost people. It's not about sinners. Isn't that interesting? It seems that Jesus sees sinners as lost people. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't just see them as as ones that never came, never were with him? He sees them as lost people. Do we see sinners as sinners? Do we see them as lost? Do we see them as people to go out and help? If we can catch the heart of God for the lost, things will change in our side. If you have a business and you have an employee or two who has really picked up on what your heart for that business is, who understands what you want to do in that business, how excited are you about that? What do you want to do for that employee? Everything you can to try and keep that employee there, right? Because this employee gets it. This one knows what you're after. If you've got a person who's working for you, doesn't really care, doesn't really do a whole lot, not really going after it, what's your attitude about that? And it comes, it comes across what you're doing. How many of you all know the employees of a business change the way that business goes? It's the employees of it. I don't know about you all, but, you know, every once in a while I get to travel around and I would come out to this restaurant. I only did it a couple of times. We were looking forward to opening up around here and I finally did. It's a place called Popeye's. I mean, it's just a fast food place. It's not really anything fancy, but, you know, you can't have it, so you always want it. <laughs> so they opened one up in Quakertown and I went over there and we stopped in to get some stuff, brought on home, a bucket of this stuff. And, and, and i tell you what, up in there in Quakertown, it was clean, it was neat, it was sharp. People took care of you, really fast. They they were really good, and they we found out they were opening one down in Lansdale. <laughs> so the time I picked it up, they said, "Yeah, when's the Lansdale one open?" Oh, it should be open now. The guy who was uh, gonna run now, he's uh, he used to work up here training, so they they sent him on down there to Lansdale. And so I thought, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be good. And so I stopped in. The tables are dirty. And. The, They had 15 employees and 10 of them were doing nothing. And three of them were out in the parking lot. And two of them were behind the counter. Didn't give a good impression. You think those employees have caught the heart of the business yet? Mm -mm, Not yet. You got to catch the heart of the business of God. If you can catch God's heart, if you can catch what he wants to do, and you say, Father, I, I got it here. I know what you want to do. And we're gonna we're gonna carry it. you have his attention. You have his attention. Get God's attention. We keep trying to get God's attention through long prayers, through begging and pleading, getting him, oh Father God, you just look how bad it is for me. You need to help. Get God's attention. By doing what he wants. What's the best way to get a raise at work? Have it ask. Is that the best way to get a raise? No, because you could ask for a raise and they going to say. <laughs> but if you work hard, if you put more effort in than everybody else is putting in. If you really go after it, what are they going to do? Man, this is a good employee. Wow, we got to keep this one. See, if I can catch the heart of what they want done and I can do that. Then what are they going to do when it comes time to we need to keep this one around? We need to give this one a raise. That's what we need to do. God, get his attention. Know what he wants to do. And what's he want to do? So much of the word of God is about getting lost, bringing the lost in. The prophets are sent out to the lost, the people that are wandering away. Moses was sent to Israel to bring them back. Get the heart of the lost. It should be something that consumes us every day. Every day we need to be thinking, who can I reach today? Who can I talk to today about the gospel? Who can I invite out the church? Who can I pray for? way we well, I think I told you about this or else I told some, some people about it we want to get one of these these shirts when they become available taking prayer requests. I think it's a great shirt. I'm going to get one word at to hockey. They all know I'm a pastor anyway we get to, we've actually got into a couple conversations about stuff sitting around there. but get God's heart. Notice this, the shepherd went after the sheep. The woman searched for the silver coin. The father waited for the son to return. He waited. You've got to understand, what's the basis for this one wandering away? What's the basis of this one being lost? Do we need to go after them? Are Are they lost because somebody in the church mishandled them, offended them? Go after them. With the help of the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you light. Go after them. Did they just wander away? They just didn't have their roots sunk down deep into the Word of God and just wandered away? Go after them. But all were received. All received the loss with joy. All of them did. As you minister to other people, as you go out there and you find the lost people, you will run into some, kind of, some attitudes that are out there. Some people will say, well, no one cares. No one cares about me. I was hurt. People are hypocrites. Particularly Christians are hypocrites. And they have all these kinds of reasons. And just don't discount the reasons. Talk to them about it. And if if they were hurt, they're not going to come out and say, "Well, I was hurt in church. They're going to just kind of have bitterness. We've got to find out, Why are you bitter about that? And you can just ask questions. God will give you light. He'll give you some questions to ask. And pretty soon you can come out. This is why they're bitter. This is why they got angry. No one cares. I don't think anybody cares about me. Well, probably they never cared about anybody else. But you got to get past that. (laughs) Go out there and try and care for them. Help them out. People are hypocrites. Sure. All kinds of folks are hypocrites. We know what is right to do. We don't always do it. That's being hypocritical. But then we repent. We get back to God. You're going to run into people as you invite folks out to church. They're going to come up with excuses. They're going to come up with reasons why they don't need to be in church. What you need to bring them back to is what is their need. Their need for church is because they're on their way to hell. We went over that last week. And Jesus is their way out. They're on a path that leads to destruction. And Jesus said, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to become destroyed. I want want to pull you out. He's their, their way out. You're going to find some people. They're gonna be glad for an invitation. You're gonna find some people who really don't care a whole lot. Before we get going here today, we're gonna put up our how not to do it again. This is awkward invitation number whatever. (laughs) Hola! Hola amigo! Mi amigo, hola amigo, hola mi amigo, por favor, uno momento. Ah, hola vecino, uh, te gusta venir uh, conmigo a la iglesia el domingo. Mi iglesia es muy dorito. Dorito? Dur- uh, oh, oh <laughs> der do. I uh, se puede transformar tu vida de picano. Oh, picado, picado. <laughs> not not picano, but but uh, picano says muy delicioso. See, si? see, si? see, si? see, si? see. Si? Si, I si. I don't even see. Si. I don't even know what you're saying. You speak English? Yes. You're not a Spaniard. Well, I'm a quarter Hispanic, but I don't I don't speak the Seriously. language. Seriously? Yeah, I never Seriously. L- Seriously. I never learned the language. Seriously. What were you saying? Never mind. Okay, that's how we're not going to do it. <laughs> but find some people that you can go out and invite out to church. We gave you some cards. This is, uh, I was trying to get something to look a little more dressy, but we had to settle for these. Uh, mostly just to give them a reminder, invitation, map on the back. Of course, they can most people just GPS things anymore, so the GPS address is in there for them to, to do that. You've got three of them that were put in your bulletin. If you want some more, there are some more in the back table. We'll even have more out here on Wednesday night if you uh, use them up. But hand them out. Find some people. Bring them out. Tell them you'll pick them up and bring them with you. Invite them out to lunch afterwards. Do something. Compel them to come in, as the Word of God tells us. Why? Because this is the heart of God. All of heaven rejoices not when people spend time praying. Not when people spend time in the Word of God. Now when people ask God for something. All of heaven rejoices when a lost one comes to him. That's when all of heaven rejoices. If you can do something that causes all of heaven to rejoice, has not that kind of put your name up there? I don't know if, if, how many sports fans we have, but one of the easy ways you can watch sports is when the game is all over. You just watch the highlights. You know, the highlights are done in five minutes. You just watch the highlights. And you know, they'll show Ryan Howard coming on up and hitting a home run. If Ryan Howard didn't hit a home run in the game, he don't show up. If he doesn't hit a ball that gets somebody to run in, he's not in the highlights. You know how he gets his name mentioned? He does something that scores a run. You know what gets people in the stands excited? When somebody scores a run. That's going to bring that attention, that highlight later on. You know what gets heaven's attention? When somebody brings a lost person back. Go out there and find them. Don't let it just be something that you think about Saturday night. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. Let it be something you we think about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. All the different days. You keep thinking about it. This is the heart of God is what God wants us to do. Can you all stand up with me? Father, this week we continue to go out. We are looking for unsaved. We are looking for sinners. We are looking for lost. We are looking for people who wandered off. We are looking for people who got mishandled by the church. We are looking for people, Father, that are not serving you. They have been alienated from the life of God, having their understanding darkened. They just don't know what they used to know. They don't know the things about God that Bring them into that life of God. Father, I thank you that you help us to speak to them, to get past their questions that don't give light, to bring them to the things that matter, that they are on their way to hell, and that Jesus wants to help them. He's not a God who is sending people to hell, He is a God who is saving people from it. Help us to be those lights. Help us look for every opportunity. Not just among those people that we know, but the people that we meet tomorrow. Tuesday. People that we meet for the first time. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in that. We can reach the lost. We are equipped. You used a woman at the well who had no training, knew nothing about the Bible, and she helped turn a whole city around. Oh, how much more you can use us. We're ready. We're equipped. You have put your word on the inside of us. Your spirit is in the inside of us. We are ready. Help us this week, Father, as we go out. We're going to find people to speak to, share your light with. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go out this week. Think about people that you work with. Think about people that you talk to in the line as you check out at the grocery store. Whatever store you go into, think of people at the register. There are people who need Jesus too. Don't forget any of them. Going out there and, yeah, who can I, who can I speak to? Who can I talk with? What can I do? There's some people out there for you to help. I'll tell you, there's nothing better huh, on the inside of you when you do the, the thing that God wants us to, to do. The thing that's the heart of God. Reaching the lost. Let's go out there and get them. And bring someone in. Don't just be content to invite one. Invite everyone that you can. Invite one on Monday. Invite another one on Tuesday. Another one on Wednesday. Two on Thursday. Just keep finding them, inviting them, and bring them on out. Wednesday night we'll be having our uh, monthly prayer night. We'll be praying for those that are being invited. Praying for you folks that are inviting. Come on out here and be a part of that. It's going to start up Wednesday night at 7.30.